I had Tim here with a message before the podcast. Due to rights reasons, the songs have been shortened for this podcast. Every song is taken from Buzzcock's album Love Bites. All songs are by Buzzcock's Pete Shelley, Steve Diggle, Steve Garvey and John Marr. Love Bites was released on the 22nd of September 1978 on United Artists. Now enjoy the podcast. Tim's listening party was a lockdown sensation. Unfortunately, it was on Twitter, which you can't listen to. But Absolute Radio has the solution. Tim Burgess explores seminal albums alongside the artists who brought them to life. Absolute Radio presents Tim's Listening Party with Tim Burgess. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Tim's Listening Party on Absolute Radio. I'm Tim Burgess, and I'm excited to be sitting down with another musician to play back a classic album together. If you've missed any of the episodes of the show, Tears of Fears, Simple Minds, Catatonia, Sleeper, Deacon Blue and more, make sure to catch up by searching for Tim's Listening Party wherever you get your podcasts. Get involved on Twitter by tweeting at Tim underscore Burgess and at Absolute Radio using the hashtag Tim's Listening Party. This episode I'm joined by guitarist and singer of the pioneering punk band Buzzcocks. Their style combined a punk backbone with pop undertones along with the help of tight and skilled musicianship to showcase their unique style of punk that stood out in the 70s and all these years later. Buzzcocks is something that not many punk bands were able to do. Write songs with pop sensibilities yet complex themes. They remain one of the most important bands to come out of Manchester and one of the most important bands to me and my career. It's Steve Diggle. I'm delighted to be joined by Steve Diggle talking about Love Bites yeah. by Buzzcocks. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Still rocking and rolling. <laughs> yeah. Still going up. Yeah. <laughs> The wheels are back on the wagon with Buzzcocks. And, yeah, uh, yeah. We've oh. had a great year, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've seen you everywhere, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been really busy. Yeah. And we had a new album out. And, yeah. You know, it's not just looking at the past. Although we have got a great catalogue and past, or it, it's there, so... Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I think so it's good to be able to, like, like, look back, but move forward as well. And, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the Albert Hall show for Pete was just, like, one of the best send-offs ever, wasn't it? So, yeah. you know... Yeah, it was beautiful, that. Courtesy of yourself as well, isn't it? <laughs> that we're going to talk about, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed singing, you know, I enjoyed singing mm. with you, you know. I always have. But <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bit late to stop now, Tim. I think mm. you've been doing all right. Eh, for yeah, you. yeah. You've been doing brilliant, you? <laughs> We're going to be talking about uh, Love Bites. Mm. It was the first record, first album that I ever owned that had been bought for me. I'd been given a few records, you know, yeah. a, a Genesis record here and there, you know, a, a couple of Slade albums, but... Pretty sure it was 1978, Christmas. Yeah. My nan walked into Woolworths in Bolton and said, can I have Love Bites by Buzzcocks? Yeah. And that was, like, my Christmas present for that year. You've kindly signed it for me. And it just kind of, like, took me into, you know, a world of Manchester music. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, I would say, the most important record that, that, that I own. So, I'd like to know what was going on. How did it? How did you lead up to this album? Uh, you know, everything before everything before Spiral Scratch. What was happening? You know, did you get on the bus? You know, and go to Manchester, we in Bolton. Yeah, I mean, um, Pete and Howard met at Bolton, but our, our, our actual first rehearsal was in um, in Howard Devoto's flat, which was near the Priory, the training ground for Manchester United in Salford. So, oh, it was right. The classic lineup of me, John Mar Howard, and Pete was yeah. um, 
that was the first rehearsal then. But um, on Wikipedia, they think we're a Bolton band, you know. But right. I didn't go to Bolton till the 37, so we played it. But it was at Polytechnic that Pete and Howard Pete met. Howard yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard yeah, put a yeah. note up. Yeah. Pete was the only one that answered it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, things might have been different. But uh, Pete was the only one that answered it. And because uh, they got together and then they, yeah. they met me and then we, and John, you know. So, yeah, I, I was kind of born in St. Mary's Hospital in Manchester, in the centre there off Oxford Road. Lived in uh, Rush Home and then moved to Bradford in Manchester. Yeah, you know? yeah. And actually, I believe Johnny Mal was down the road just near the Bellevue, you know, right. Apollo. I, I lived just down further that way right 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 but going back to the love bites thing so we did the spiral scratch spiral scratch so spiral scratch was on your own label right or was on richard's label no it's our our own 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 label okay um we borrowed some money uh i think pete shelley's dad put a few hundred pounds in yeah we borrowed (laughs) (laughs) we borrowed borrowed a a girl's um university uh grant (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Very, very generous. <laughs> <laughs> we said, don't worry, you get it back. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, we probably put a fiver in ourselves to some. And, yeah, but uh, so for Founder Pound, we had a thousand records made, which was quite um, an inspiring moment. It was after the Sex yeah, Pistols yeah, gig. Yeah, it was yeah. just after, because it was kind of like, well, we've done the gig. I wonder yeah. what we sound like. Yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. it sound like on record. We did that. I mean, we did a demo. We got. We took an amp on the bus and did, you know, the guitars and everything. And we did a demo that came out as Time's Up. It was yeah. some guy called Andy Fraser, I think he's called. He used to yeah. live in uh, Cheadley, had a flat, Revolution Sounds. Revolution Sounds, wow. He did a lot for The Who over the years, or yeah. remixed later stuff and all that. But he, when he signed out, he had, it was a 16-track in his loft. So there we are with the amps on the bus and everything, and we went up in this loft. And Howard thought that in between the tracks on an album, yeah. you had to stay quiet, you know. <laughs> we didn't know about editing tape. So when we did this bootleg, Time's Up, we did a track and it'd be like for 30 seconds, and then we'd do the next one. And we did the whole thing like that. Wow. You know? He thought that's how it worked, you know. And we did it perfect like that, you know. So we did that, then it was like we met Martin Hannah. Yeah. And... Uh, he was working at a place, like a timeout, but it was like Manchester Review, I think it was called. Yeah. So he said, look, I can get this time in this studio in Manchester. And uh, So we went in an afternoon and did Spiral Scratch. Yeah. You know, so it was Martin someone that you knew that, then? Well, we'd kind of met him through his magazine, you know, but he, yeah. he was more to do with that. But he yeah. kind of knew how people that knew how to get gigs or something, yeah, you know, yeah. and things like that. And also, he said he was like... He knows about producing them. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, wow, you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was magic. I I loved him, you know. He was our Phil Spector of Manchester, really. But uh, when the engineer had been making it sound all right, he'd be, like, pulling the faders and messing about with things and he'd just go, leave it alone, you know. (laughs) But somehow we got that terrible sound on Spiral Scratch, which is a beautiful sound as well. It's a beautiful sound, it's a beautiful sound. But it it was just like destroying everything the engineer was doing, you know. (laughs) Well, let's kick off this listening party with the first track from Love Bites. It's Real World. I don't even know what your name is, but I just hope she'll stay.
track one from Love Bites, mm. and the song's called Real World. Mm. That's all about anticipation, but it's a, it's a great opening to the track. Uh, Amazing, to, to the, the album, album. yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, um, It was great live doing that on that tour, yeah. when we released the album, because you've got that chug for ages. We used to ride the harmonics a bit, you know, yeah. do that chug and you get all those harmonics going yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the beginning of the real world, yeah. it goes on for quite a bit, that chug, that anticipation, you know. Yeah, bass yeah, it was great, a great opening. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah, giving a sense of excitement. Yeah. And, I, mean, I think that's our lasting memory. Yeah, uh, there's it. something lovely about that. You're waiting and you're waiting for a musical anticipation. You're waiting for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when Pete comes in with a sing, it's like, wow, it's, this is what we're leading up to, you know. So it was a magic, magic opener to, to the album, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, um, wh- I mean, how do you go about normally choosing opening tracks to albums? Yeah, it's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that lends itself. I, I mean, yeah, th- because of the intro. Yeah. 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 You know, that seemed like the obvious one, really, because it's quite a length. Yeah. If you put it in the middle, it wouldn't kind of... Yeah. And having said that, we may have just... Quite often, you know, record a bunch of songs and then sequence them, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. But that must have been like, well... Just obviously just, uh, just shouted that it yeah. had to be the opener. Right? And it does give you all the sense of like, you know, there's something going to happen here soon, you know. It's welcome to the album. It's kind of got that as well, hasn't it, you know. Do you remember, you know, at what point track two came along? Ever fallen in love? Open bracket with someone you shouldn't have. Close bracket. <laughs> I remember playing that to my dad and I said... Um, I've got this song that I really love. I'm going to play it to you. I think they sound like my Beatles, right? Yeah. And he's saying, oh, go on then. And I played it. And he goes, right. So do you think they sound like the Beatles? He said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. But do you like it? He said, yeah, I do. But I mean, my dad, he liked Frank Sinatra, really. But did you know it was going to be like, you know, one of the best singles to ever come out of Manchester? No, I mean, it was just one of the batch, really, you know. I mean, because it, it wasn't in sequence, you know, we had, is it 10 or 12 songs on this album? I don't know. There's 11. Anyway, it was yeah. all, rec- yeah. we, 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 you know, we, we just recorded them all. They never yeah. fallen in love was in the middle somewhere, yeah. saying, yeah. well, we got this one, and then there's that one. And, and that was it, and it, it didn't stick out. That, you know, it sounded good, but yeah. we thought the others sounded yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they all sound, they, they all sound yeah. you know, just... As, you know, they all make up, they're all some of the same yeah. parts. Yeah. So at the time, we didn't think, you know, that one's gonna, that one's got legs, it's going to get out there and stick in people's minds. It was just like one of the batch. I kind of knew it sounded good a bit. Yeah. And in America, they used to say, oh, they're the punk Beatles, you know, because yeah, we was quite tuneful, I guess, for a punk band. That was the thing. Yeah. Know? Completely. I mean, I love the Clash and I love the Pistols and all that stuff. And I like the Joe Stummer singing, the anti-singing, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we had the tunes, you know, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see where that's come from. But, yeah, Ever Falling In Love was... It was just like one of the bats, really, you know. When you're playing the tape before there was sequence, um, it was probably way back somewhere, so it was just right. in the middle of all this stuff, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Didn't reveal... No, itself, we did go well, so that's an obvious yeah. single and yeah. all the rest of it. It was just like, well, it's, you know, real world nostalgia and this, this and this, and another one, ever falling in love, you know? So would would Andrew Lauder have, have chosen it as a single? Would you have all sort of like, you know, well, got around and sort of like decided? After or? a while, we realised it was a bit catchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, the title came from Pete being in Scotland. We, we, we was in a hotel. Right. And... Um, 
the film Guys and Dolls came on. Yeah. And that's where he took the line from, have you ever fallen in love with someone? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So what was well, he doing in Scotland then? Was that, was that, were you on tour or something? Or? Yeah, we was on tour. Yeah. yeah. I think it was raining in Scotland. Watching the telly. <laughs> and he's just watching the telly in his hotel room for a bit and... Uh, I remember him saying about watching that, I've got a good title for a song of falling up with someone, isn't it? Wow. I don't know where it says you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have, yeah, maybe he just added that himself, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sounds a bit more like Pete, that would Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you take notice of the the lyrics a lot? I mean, were you all involved, you know, know, (coughs) with the writing on the paper or looking as he was writing or...? Well, you know, I'd write me all, he'd write his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you help each other out and stuff, though? Um, if it was joint writing, which used yeah. to be, yeah. usually I'd have the song and then <laughs> say, I've got an idea for yeah, that, you yeah, know, yeah, it'd yeah. be that way really, not for it. Well, I like, think like my first one was Fast Cars, you know, yeah. and I'd left my verses at home. <laughs> well, it, it was the first rehearsal, you know, I said, I've got his song Fast Cars, and it, I hate Fast Cars, there's the chorus, and there's the music. And it was Pete now at the time said, oh, we've got some verses for that. So I said, I've left mine at home. So that was that one, and then Promises was the same. I was demoing it, and, yeah. you know, with the bass and drummer, and Pete was in the uh, in the mixing room because he'd go out and do his, I'd go and do mine. And he said, oh, I've got some first. Now, that was going to be a political song or a kind of, yeah. you know, pro- Promises the government or people made to, you know. Yeah. And he said, I've got these verses for your, your melody as I was doing it. I said, you've turned it into a bloody love song, you know. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a great one, though, Promises. I mean, to yeah. me, that's... Possibly my favourite, you know. That's how we did that one. I said, I'll never leave my verses at home again. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good combination. There was probably a, f- a few more bits like that where we'd do the exchange. I always used to say, think we should write a bit more together, you know, but then it just became easier to do this other way in the time thing, really, and all that, you know. But happy um, moments of, uh, of all those things, yeah. Let's hear the second track from Love Bites. This is the classic, Ever Fallen In Love, open brackets, with someone that you shouldn't have. Close brackets. Ever Fallen In Love is, you know, one of the greatest singles of all time. And I saw you do it on top of the pops. I would have watched it live, you know. Um, mm. So, like, you know, eager to get to the front of the telly, you know, in front of the family, like um, everybody did then. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just kind of like just grew and grew and grew and grew. And Find Young Cannibals did yeah. a cover of it that was, like, just... There's I a guess, lot of covers of it. I mean... Yeah. When you get a classic song, you can do any kind of versions with yeah, it. Uh, yeah, It's a classic song. And um, like I say, it gets covered a lot and all that. And it, that's when you know that song's a bit robust and it's got all the right ingredients. Yeah, in it. yeah. Which it kind of has, isn't it? You know, yeah, 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 yeah. The title says everything. The music fascinates, and you've got that riff. Did yeah, it, did it? Yeah, you know, so yeah. It's all there. It's just one of. It's a beautiful single sleeve as well with the love heart on it and the blue and the pink. Yeah, that was like Marcel Duchamp heart on there. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, I love that. Yeah, that was Malcolm Garrett doing. Malcolm Garrett. Okay, yeah. 
Next up is Operator's Manual. Mm. I remember when I was doing the, you know, the Royal Albert Hall with you, Mm. And I chose 16 again as, as my song to sing, mm. or I asked if I could sing that one. But I was thinking of Operator's Manual as well, because, I mean, that's the kind of deadpan. It's an incredibly non-sexy title. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it sang in such a deadpan way that I think it's, it, it's, it becomes, you know, very sexy. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was around this time when, when uh, anything you ever bought, you got an Operator's Manual with it, <laughs> <laughs> We bought a cassette machine, operator's manual, usually in Japanese, and there'd be a bit, you know. Around that time, me and Peter bought this, this book, Your Erroneous Zones or something, you know, one of these sort of self-help, how to figure your life out kind of oh, thing, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Feelings of guilt, feelings of happiness, feelings, you know, and all these. I remember we both bought that book. We always used to laugh about the operator's manual. Oh, it's got a manual with it, you've got to read, you know. Yeah, yeah. So... Obviously, Pete had uh, put that into the song operator's manual, you know. Yeah. Almost, I suspect, a plea for his own life of trying to go, you know, <laughs> operator's manual, tell me how to live, really, you know what I mean? I mean, I suppose, uh, to, to me, it kind of makes me think of, like, craft work as well, in a way. Yeah. You know, kind of like, they were like man and machine. Yeah, and you're right, there's something deadpan about it. Yeah, it? yeah. That was his sexuality, really. It wasn't overt sexual, it was, and it wasn't inverted sexual, but there was some mystery about yeah, the way Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think and, so. Um, you know, it's a very human thing he was singing about, really. You, you know, the mechanical me- mechanical things like craft work and stuff, you know, craft work, noise, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And can be liked. Yeah, Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So there was that sort of emotion or emotionless kind it, of but, thing. But but yeah. being emotionless is emotion really yeah. emotional, isn't yes, it? Yes, you know? that's it. Yeah. You're suddenly fascinated. With yeah, my, yeah, 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 yeah. And like I said, I think it's a, a thing about him trying to work out what life's about within himself. You know, we all yeah. question ourselves yeah. about things. And yeah, a little bit of that in him, I think, somewhere like point. tell me how to live. You know, <laughs> how, how old were you again at this point? Oh, uh, must have been about twenty-two or something. Yeah. I think yeah. it's young. It's young. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, it's that old one, you know, who's very old then. Yeah, it's <laughs> old, but, you're, but I mean, it's, but I it's young. young. Then, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't think like that now, but when you're 23 and you get them artistic moments, you yeah, know, yeah. it's like, wow, I'm thinking of things like that then. Here's track number three on Love Bites, it's Operator's Manual. Operator's Manual, RP63, tells me what to do when you... Do this thing to me. Oh, operators manual. Manchester was, you know, had a very lot of love, but it was a lot, a lot of austerity as well, right. wasn't it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Be rainy nights, no central heating, no nothing, you know. I yeah, mean, the it's warmth in, industrial, came from the but, people, uh, and those post-war people. It was a lot of warmth from Venice, yeah. but them old tenant streets and stuff, it was quite tough and austere and grey, really. Yeah, yeah. But that austerity, we had an outside toilet and all that kind of thing. Yeah. It's called, we never thought, right? you know, as a kid, you never, you, you know. It was all lovely to me. You'd play football on the end of the street, you knew yeah. everybody in the street. Nobody had any money, but it, but there was a lot of love there. A lot yeah, of yeah. post-war people, yeah. the blokes in the pub, they had a lot of heart and soul, so 
I think that's why a lot of monks, you know, they go, what is about Manchester and the bands? And all that? <laughs> you know, I think we've all come from a bit of that somewhere. Did you ever talk to Marky Smith about the war? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> um, I'm not sure what I want to know what Martin Smith thought about the war. <laughs> so, but he was always very nice with me, Mark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did a gig, we did a gig together, didn't we? Fall and Charlottes and Buzzcocks. Um. Yeah, in fact, the, the last time I saw him, we all got this tour bus from this uh, festival in Italy. He's talking to me going into the airport and he... And he was in the queue with me, and I said, you do know this is the queue for London, Mark? <laughs> he said, I thought you still lived in Manchester. I said, I left 30 years ago. <laughs> he did have got on the plane, you know. I, I loved him. That was yeah. the last time I saw him. Yeah. But he, he was always very complimentary oh, yeah. to me. About, I mean, uh, he, said, he, he said nice things about me, yeah. um, and he said not as nice things. <laughs> I was going to say we're we're one of the we're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I'll always remember sort of like um, seeing him in a, a hotel a hotel bar, and he said, "Hey, cocker, um, I saw you on Glastonbury last night." And I said, "Right," and I was waiting for it. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just said, "Best band on there." And I was well, like, wow. Was like, no, that is a compliment. No, that's a compliment. Yeah. You're very honoured. Yeah, I was very honoured. <laughs> Time for another song. This is Nostalgia on Absolute Radio. Nostalgia. It's a bit of buzzcock's iron, isn't it? A bit of playfulness, really. Yes. Nostalgia for an age yet to come, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. sort of a... What a lyric. Inverting yeah. what we're doing now, what we was doing, you know, we was riding high with them chart yeah. things yeah. and the albums doing well. Yeah. You know, it's a peak title. Like, it's like the irony of that, almost throwing it back, you know. Yeah, nostalgia I mean... Nostalgia for it, an age yet to come, you know. Such a pop song, yeah. you know. I mean, could have been a single. Yeah. Easy. Could, yeah. Easy. It's almost like relate to ever fall in love somewhere. Yeah, it? you know, yeah, it's got a yeah, little bit of that urgency yeah. and feeling. Yeah, definitely. Right? In its own right, you know. Like we said earlier about ever falling in love. I mean, when you hear nostalgia, it wouldn't have stuck out that much, you know, because this is quite a powerful pop song. They, they all are. Yeah, they all are. I mean, even like you know, next up, just lost. You know, I mean that yeah. that's the B side of ever falling in love. Yeah. Made it onto the album, rightly so. You know, yeah. I mean, but could have been quite easily the A side as well. You know. Well, that was always another problem as well. Uh, when we'd go in to do two singles, yeah. we'd, we'd go in and do two tracks. Yeah. But nobody thought which was going to be the A or B. So no, every time, no, it's amazing. Know, yeah. It's like when the, the two songs, now you're going to need an A sign. Like, oh, we didn't think of it. You know, he didn't really think about it. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. So, and rightly so. It was always good, yeah. the two, you know. I mean, Beatles did it with Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, didn't they? That was the blueprint. Absolutely, you know? yeah. yeah. Child of the Moon, the B-side. Child of the Moon, it's like my Jack favourite, Crash. you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Although Noel was on something recently and he said, uh, the advice I'm giving now, don't put a good track on the B-side. <laughs> <laughs> well, Classic, well they, they put some good ones on But, it, on yeah, but yeah, it was a case of that, really. You never thought which side was, you know, there's two good songs like, like 
like on this album, yeah, uh, most of it could have been singles. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so, I mean, just lost. You know, can we talk about the lyrics? You think? No, I, I didn't bother with that lyrics too much. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> There's bed in your eyes, and it's telling me lies. Just lost. I mean, I would have sang that one as well. Yeah, quite, quite happily. You yeah. know, at the Royal Albert Hall. I mean, that's very peak. That kind of singing and all that. Yeah. yeah well, that. Kind of sentiment, if you know. And and just that kind of that that break because it kind of starts with the chorus, doesn't it? But yeah. but, but then it goes to the next bit. It's, it's a verse, but yeah. it's uh, life That's is just like, a, it's da, a bit da, 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 or a bit mysterious, doesn't it? Yeah. That's so it. you shattered all my dreams and my head's about to bust. Is it all real? That's how it seems. But it all comes down to dust. I was slow to catch on, and that just makes it worse. Mm. If passion is a fashion, then emotion is a curse. That's right. Passion is a fashion. Yeah. But it went down to some like discordant ear or something. It went, it went, you know, you've got the beautiful melody and the, the thing of it all just less, you know, yeah, yeah, red and, you yeah. know, on a, and then it goes to this odd bit, you know. Yeah. Which quite often we had in a few songs. Somebody said to me, he always had that angular bit, you know. Um, yeah. Some discordant off-key thing. You know, it's a simple sort of classic pop song, but it has that little dull bit, doesn't it, you know. And yeah, it, yeah. Okay, let's hear the fifth track from Love Bites, Just Lost. I always mention Joy Division and you took them out on tour. Yeah. I mean what a lineup, you know. I mean, how was that? And you know, did you did you like them? Did you choose them? Or, you know, did did you become a fan? Well, yeah. During um, all? We friends? was aware of them. I think I saw them once play um, some sort of small club around yeah. Manchester, and of course, you know, being managed by Tony Wilson, or there was on yeah. Factory, yeah. And that uh, no, was Rob Gretton managing, wasn't it? We knew sort of Rob Gretton yeah. from the town, and, and obviously. Tony Wilson, so we was doing the thing like the Manchester Apollos then and all that stuff, probably with this album with the Look Bites album. And uh, we said, Come with us, you know, because I remember we took John Cooper Clark on tour yeah. early on, yeah, when he yeah. was still electrician, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we took the four many times, so yeah, fantastic. And then, so it was like, Look, we're doing this tour, come with us, you know. But it's sometimes then, I mean, there was a lot of people in the bar when they were on sometimes, you know, right. because um. That's what happens with support Sometimes bands, isn't it? Sometimes it's like, oh, it's the support band, yeah, we, yeah. you know, we'll have a few drinks and yeah. all that. Of course, it was well received as well, you know. Sometimes they say they blew us off, but I don't think so. <laughs> there's more myths about that, and you know, they'd come and see the Buzzcocks, and that's what they got in those days, you know. You know, we was good friends with them and stuff. It's yeah. like all Manchester bands, yeah, see, you yeah, know. So yeah. we, we took them on the tour, and I think that put them on the map quite a bit then, because we was, you know, we was do we'd moved on to the theatres and... yeah. Because the Apollo's big, Apollo's big, isn't it? Yeah, it's Apollo and all yeah, that yeah, kind of stuff. But yeah. it was all, you know, your talking audience, you, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It was a relatively big tour for us at that time, yeah. and, and, and they had the exposure of it, and it was all good. Yeah. I mean, it was one weird thing was um, Ian Curtis had had the fits sometime on the yeah. stage, you know, and uh, so the roadies would go, you've got to play a few more of the songs, because you see about 200 kids at the, you know, the stage door. For when wow. you come off, and uh, wow. the ambulance had to come a couple of times, oh, no. you know, and all that. 
But for us, it'd be like, oh, f- we've got a plane on fuel tire. <laughs> God bless him. I think it's fantastic, you know, but, to, to, but, to be able to bring bands like Joy Division and Fall yeah. and John Cooper Clark, you know, to, to a bigger audience. You know, it's just amazing. Yeah. I don't like Manchester. Yeah, no, it was kind of like, well, they're from Manchester, you know, who's going to have you? Might as well, you know what I mean? They're... Have someone local, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and it was kind of like that. And uh, we had a great time on that tour, and we got into a bit of rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there was a moment somewhere where, you know, I suppose people have loved this now, but Buzzcocks and Joy Division in a hotel bar, you know, and they closed the bar, and when they gone, when somehow the wire fence thing on the bar it got ripped and you know <laughs> the you drinks got raided you know you and Barney and that's Buzzcocks <laughs> Cox and Joy Division you oh, know, yeah. right? wow. all that's, in one room that's fantastic and, uh, that was a moment wow and I do remember at the end of the story and Curtis uh, I said we had a good time here and stuff and uh, you know he did say that uh, he met somebody in Paris and he was married and stuff you know and I wasn't sure what he was kind of on about. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. sure how much yeah. mixed up, but it, it was nice. And he said, he you know, we'd had a good tour. Now. Little did I know after the end of that tour, he, you know, he went home and killed himself. But um, that's, uh, you know, that's the memory of that with him, you know. Wow. It, once again, it, you know, it was a great tour for everything. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just it gets oh, talked about a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's one of the things that you just have to deal with. Mm. Um, I yeah. mean, God bless him, we miss him, and uh, all, all, all yeah. that. But you have to come to terms with a lot of things in life, don't you? You know, you, you know, I'll deal with it. You know, yeah, he made his decision. Uh, yeah. But um, we had a good tour with him on that tour, and all the the other Joy Division guys, you know. Well, I'd say they used our real room to film Love of Tears Apart. You know, which so was like, that near the boardwalk then? Room. Was that yeah, near the boardwalk, yeah? Not the boardwalk, T.J. Davidson's oh, place. Oh, right, yeah. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I see that video, that's where we wrote all our singles in there, you know. That room, magic. Yeah. Yeah. It felt magic, that room, actually, because when we moved to the big one, it was a bit cold, you know. Got the, you know, 100 grand PA that we couldn't be bothered, you know, we had to get roadies talking it up. <laughs> Which they did once, and then it's like, oh, we'll just plug a mic into the H and H and plug in the other plug the guitar. See, yeah. I, I love the H and H. Mark mm. in our band is is not having them. No, he won't, no, he's not. <laughs> he's, he's Marshall or Fender, you know. Yeah, H and H is where it's at, I think. When you have to turn a Marshall up to ten or something, yeah. you know, to get distortion yeah. uh, on the lowest <laughs> volume on an H and H, you get the distortion. <laughs> yeah, you get real distortion. I want to talk about sixteen again. Mm. Um, you had a song on, you know, previous album called Sixteen, mm. right? And uh, <laughs> Sixteen again, <laughs> another, another song. But I mean, it's, I mean, this song, I mean, it's probably my favourite song on the album. Mm. And uh, this was one that I sang at, at the Albert Hall um, yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, what's the memories of this one? It's just a lovely catchy pop song, yeah. isn't it? You know. Yeah. With that again, a bit of strangeness in it, you know, with the yeah, beats yeah, delivery yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It's just really infectious and uh, and catchy. And, and like I say, we had one called Sixteen on the album before. Yeah. Oh, we've got another song called Sixteen. Oh, call, call it Sixteen again. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do another one, Sixteen again and again. You should, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely and should. And the next one again and again and again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a classic. Uh, yeah, it could have been a single. And that ends side one. In memorial of Peter the Albert. Oh, you did the, the great version. Then, oh, thanks, yeah, thanks so much. Lovely, you know. Yeah. 
did you call it a, a memorial or a celebration or well a celebration a celebration really. i mean it was just i mean it's fantastic you know the turnout was incredible and everyone was there weren't they yeah yeah and it wasn't a maudlin thing was it really? no it not was, at all uh, it was celebration and really uplifting because yeah. the crowd were great. Five yeah. up, you, you're on form. You're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. It's the only yeah. time I've not had a drink before a gig as well. Wow, well. I had a bottle of champagne in my uh, my room. I could see on the screen all the people out there, and I didn't have a drink. You know. Good. I thought. <laughs> I thought that's a weird one. You know, quite often I have a little drink before I go on stage, but. Uh, I thought of all the places to start not drinking, the other <laughs> But Polly Murray was there and, and uh, Thur- Thurston Moore and um, Pete. Um, the Damned. Uh, and, Damned. And, Captain uh, Central and yeah, yeah. Dave Venue. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's such an amazing night. Here's the next song on Love Bites. It's 16 again. Buzz Cox with 16 again. So, I mean, everybody knows, but I mean, for those who don't know, so you all met, you rehearsed near Old Trafford. Yeah. And then you put on a gig for the Sex Pistols. Yeah. You met Malcolm McLaren and this was the first one and then put another one on, right? That's right, As well. And then in between that, you recorded with Martin Hannett. Yeah. Spiral Scratch. Spiral Scratch. And then what happened next? Well, when we recorded Spiral Scratch, we thought it's the most uncommercial music in the world. We won't bother going to a record company on our hands and knees to throw you out, you know. And they, they weren't born to this. Next minute, it's six record companies offering you the world, you know. Which is ironic, because we thought we won't go with a tape with this, you know. We'll have to put it ourselves. Yeah. Which was seen as a stroke of genius, but it's also a stroke of necessity, you know. Like, so you were the first punk band to put a record yeah, out, basically. Which really inspired a lot of other people. Yeah, of course. I, I'm not sure whether Stiff Records put something out first, or Close. Maybe Damned, yeah, maybe, maybe Damned. Maybe the, damned but, but it was very close, you know. But you were the first... Real, like, indi- uh, yeah, in, real independent. Going, That's yeah, amazing. And, and Manchester yeah. being... And I didn't, you don't, you didn't realise how inspiring that was to everybody else. Wow, for 500 quid you can make a thousand records, you know. It's the most obvious thing in the world, but nobody, you know, yeah. you don't. So we did that, then we decided to go with United Artists, yeah. a guy called Andrew Lauder, who signed the Stone Roses. Yes, he did, yeah, 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 that's right. But he used to come to all the gigs and watch it, and he kind of knew what it was about, which was very important because, you know, CBS were opening, offering us, you know, open checkbooks, you yeah. know, all the money yeah. in the world. But the Clash had just signed to them and right, they started right. singing how bad the record company was. <laughs> One of my favourite songs, Complete Control, you know. Oh, yeah. And we was going, we want artistic control more than, you know, some big record deal too. Andrew Lord, Lord gave us out. Yeah. So it's right, right. Now, the first single's going to be called Orgasmatic. Well, that was put back for three weeks. They had a release date, was put back for three weeks because the pressing plant... Said we're not going to print this kind of filth, you know. Wow! <laughs> and we wow. were trying to say it's poetry, you know. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. That come from a little bit from William Burroughs and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then Linda Sterling did the artwork. Linda for that Sterling one. did the artwork. Yeah, which is like classic. So we did that, and uh, eventually got released. Like I said, three week delay. Trying to 
explain it wasn't filth, it was art. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's great about that record, you get so many people going, when I was 16, the, we put the record on, and when my dad would come <laughs> running upstairs going, what the hell are you listening to, you know? <laughs> Well, that's, you know, it's, it's got to be done, right? song about biology, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we did that. Then next thing is time from album. So we did yeah, no yeah, music in a different yeah, yeah, kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is 1978 then. Yeah. So I think another music in a different kitchen was released in March 78. Right. And the album we're going to talk about today it was released in September of 78. So yeah. we did two albums in one year you know that's amazing it's, I mean you can't even I put a record out um, 2022 and I delivered it in October 21 and yeah. it took so it took a year for it to actually be pressed and mm. you know put together and all that kind of stuff and I mean I know it's, it sounds dramatic but mm. you know you kind of lo- lose the will to live really <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you is that dramatic enough yeah was that dramatic enough? <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I, I get it, because you put all that effort into it, you burn up, you're all excited, and then you want somebody to listen to it at least, you know. Or yeah. you want to see No, it no one can it. listen to it. No, and you've got to <laughs> wait for it for a year, you know. You've got to wait a year. <laughs> I'm glad I said that. Yeah. <laughs> somebody yeah, good, will, good, they'll be checking it out now. Um, um, so, this was kind of like... 70s, quite clo- close to the 60s, I suppose. You, you could put out a couple of records a year, right? Yeah, it seemed to be because we seem to have a you know, we like a single out every two months. <laughs> yeah, at the time. Uh, uh, top of the pops was all, all the better for it. Yeah, you know? it was like, let's just put another out because a lot of singles didn't make it to the album. I said, put yeah, a single out, yeah. don't worry, we're, when we got the album, we've got some other things. And like you say, they seem to like every other week, you know, yeah, singles. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great time for all that, wasn't it? Unbelievable. It was kind of at the time the songs were flowing that fast that um, it was like, oh, don't worry, put it out as a single, we'll have some more all the time, you know. What was it? That, was it just like the absolute excitement of being in a band together and sort of like seeing what, what you were doing was actually, you know, a- achieving a huge thing? Well, we used to rehearse in... Our room was, you know, where Joy Division did that video, Love Will Tears Apart. Well, yeah, that was our yeah, room be- yeah. before we bought this yeah. cumbersome PA and yeah. had to move to a big... Yeah. So that was ours. So we used to go in that room, you know, in little pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, probably meet about one o'clock. And the thing was, the pubs opened at half five. They used to close up past three. Up. So the inspiration was, come on, we've got to get this done. So I think we did about eight of them top of the pubs. But it's like, come on, the pubs were open at half five. So... <laughs> You'd knock out and never fall in over a promise. It's like, well, we're in the pub now, you know. So the working very quick was good. It's just and quickly get this next single done. Yeah, come on, the pubs are up, yeah. And you couldn't believe it, really. It's like, we, we had no regard for it properly, you know. I mean, we'd put the work in somehow, but it, yeah. it was kind of like, we've got to get to the pub next minute, you're on top of the pubs, you know. While people are still rehearsing next door the intro to a song for four hours, you know, yeah. all that stuff. It was the dynamics of the band. You could kind of take... Anything. If Pete had a song around, it goes like this, and John Myers had gone over, and I say you've not even really heard it yet, you know. But we'd all jump in together, and the chemistry of a band. Chemistry, you know? yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah, you yeah. know, the songs were just flowing, you know. Yeah. And somehow you have that self-belief or whatever that you don't think about after a while. It's that this magic just keeps starts to appear all the time. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Almost effortless. Every band has a run of that for a while, don't they? You know. Yeah. 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 This is track number seven, Walking Distance.
uh, opener of side two walking distance. Is it an instrumental walking distance? Instrumental, yeah. Well, with that one up was uh, the bass player Stanley Clark he had an album out called School Days at the time. A bit right. Funky, you know, classic bass. But he, he'd kind of play like bass chords, you know, two fingers over the strings. So I remember I picked Steve up, you know, messing with a bass. I don't know when Steve got. And I was like playing the School Days thing, ding, 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 with the, with the two bass strings, which, yeah. you know, give it a bit fuller. And then Pete, Steve Garvey picked up his bass and um, he started going like some variation of that which yeah. became this walking distance thing and I said hold on a minute that sounds like the thing I've just been you know <laughs> and then me and Pete put those guitars on which were quite amazing as well you know yeah, the bass yeah, yeah. nice yeah. and then um, it's one of great moments where we interact with each other and not kind of sure what we're doing it's like you know the bass and drums are doing that and we're kind of ad-libbing a bit and, and stuff and both interacting which was yeah. a lovely thing with us yeah yeah. So you can kind of hear guitars going in and out and all over the place, but still in keeping, you know. Did you ever think of putting vocals on it? It seemed complete it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then yeah, again, yeah. that's yeah. quite linear. And well, they're funny instrumentals, aren't they? Because sometimes they're harder to write than, you know, than songs that have, you know, ly lyrics on them, really. Yeah. You know, because you've got to keep them super interesting, haven't I you? I mean, the, so. the wailing guitars seem yeah. to keep it busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The comments sing, you know, had a bit, ding, 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 ding. I was still never sure to say exactly what I'm playing on there. And yeah. Just do it live. And each time you just add a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. But within the framework. And yeah, the same with Pete, really. But uh, like I say, I loved that when we'd kind of jam or interlock together like that. There was a lot of empathy with me and Pete with that, without even having to try, you know. It was just one of them you know, Do you, do you look at each other or just listen? Well, yeah, yeah we just kind of sort of interact. We're yeah. not too much, because it's like, because you know each other too well, you know. Yeah. It's like you can't fool me, you know. What I mean? Yeah. But sometimes we would a bit. Yeah. But 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 it, you know. It, a bit of a side eye. It's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's getting too real now. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he'd know me, and I'd know him. And Do you think you got closer after? I mean, obviously you were in a band together for a long time, but I mean, after Howard left, I mean, was it a surprise after Howard left, or, or was it just it just happened so quickly? And to Howard did ten shows with us. We put Spiral Scratch out ten shows, and he said. I've achieved what I wanted to do, I'm leaving. <laughs> right, right, right. And we're certainly so for me and Pete. We looked at each other and just said, well, we'll carry on. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we weren't doing anything else. Within, yeah, yeah. within a minute. You yeah, know, yeah, It was yeah. like one minute of devastation. It's like, but you're the singer. And then the next minute, it was like, well, we'll carry on. Because we was on the dole and that's what we were doing. Were you it? doing backing vocals or anything? Or did, I mean, it wasn't really the time of backing vocals, I suppose, was it? Or... No, the greatest thing that Howard did was leave. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you, Howard. I love you. Well, Magazine were a great band as well, Absolute, you know. Right. And, well, and, and, got two yeah. bands for the price of one. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose it threw you and Pete together and your chemistry then, you know, we yeah. had a, such a run of massive I singles. I always said to him, look, yeah. I've been here all the time with you. It's me and you, we're stuck together like, you know, yeah. two mountain climbers. Yeah. I said, I would have left you. <laughs> yeah. But I've always been here for you, mate. You know, yeah. when we, <laughs> that's, <laughs> when we the that's fantastic. But the, the, the interesting thing about that as well was, of course, I played bass on Spiral Scratch. Yeah, yeah. I did 10 gigs on bass and then I would left. So I, I moved over to guitar. That's when it got a bit more more melodic with me and Pete. Cause yeah. it, you know, it's all a bit jerky, that other stuff, you know. Yeah. It, it, you know, the boredoms and that. It's all It's brilliant, kind of but... Stuff. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, I had this song called I Might Need You and I played it to Pete and it's not a million miles from what do I get to he goes yeah. I might need you yeah. and yeah. 
working and I do what you want, don't make yeah. me blue or something, you know. Yeah. But it was all about the eye, you know. Yeah. And next minute he said, I've got this song, what do I get? I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I always said, if I, I rubbed it off my tape because tapes were one ninety nine at the time. Yeah. It was expensive. Yeah. And I thought, oh, yeah. that song's all right. I've got another one now. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I said, I was trying to rub that off. That was evidence that, you know, you owe me money for that one, mate. You know, <laughs> but Amazing. But if it inspired him to do that, um, you could see the the melodic thing coming in, you know. Yeah. And the more the backing vocal thing and the O.O.s and stuff yeah, that we're known yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from what do I get and then like kind of promises and stuff and, and all them sort of things. Yeah. You know, when I was left and it was me and Pete, it became a bit more melodic. Really. Yeah, and it's the chemistry playing, which solidifies. To the melodies, you know. Yeah. Amazing. It took me a while to realise that, you know, Spinal Scratch is great in its own way of, of that jerky punky stuff, but yeah. then kind of got smoother or became what's known as the classic lineup with this. Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. Changed agreed, the nature of band. Agreed. We became real close because we'd go to the pub and talk, you know. And Steve and John would do about one or two, but we'd have, have about eight <laughs> pints each, you know. But that was all in the name of research really of course of course because used to say you know french philosophers and stuff and picasso and that used to you know be outside the french bistros yeah. pontificating philosophy and stuff well we was doing that in manchester in the pub i mean we learned a lot from each other and shared a lot so sometimes i think in, in, in when the songs come out it's a lot of what we're talking about and what we're doing yeah this kind of thing Almost like we're talking to you, like we're in the pub as well. As well as all these complexities of it's a pop song and everything else. Yeah. There's something in there, you know. Yeah. And then you just sort of like say, right, let's go and do it. Yeah. Stand up and go to the studio and, well, like, and put something down. On one of the last albums, he said, I've just borrowed one of your lines that you tell me in the pub, you know. A pessimist is an optimist with experience, you know. And he, he borrowed that line from, I'm like, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> So there was a lot of interaction that way. Yeah. I used to call it intellectual fencing. Yeah. We'd have heavy stuff, intellectual arguments, but then it turned into something silly, you know, arguing over somebody, you've stole my sweet or two. <laughs> Time for another song. This is Love Is Lies. Love is Lies yeah. from uh, Love Bites. Mm. Um, I mean, that's kind of you, isn't it? To, to me, it kind of like, you know, it has all your your influences to the fore. I mean, what, what do you remember about that one? Like, going back to Promises, when I went to see my mum and dad one time, there's an old acoustic guitar there, uh, uh, an old Echo Ranger thing, yeah. all out of tune, and that's how I wrote Promises on acoustic guitar. And I thought, we're not an acoustic song on any album, you know. So that's when I... Sort of came up with Love Is Lies, really. But it was also a bit of playful tongue in cheekness because there was a couple of love songs, Ever Fallen In Love and all that. I thought I'd go the other way and say Love Is Lies, you know what I mean? The antithesis <laughs> of Love Is Lies, you know. That's Being good. a bit playful. Kind of like a Lennon and McCartney thing, isn't it, you know? Yeah, He's yeah, going to yeah. sing the love while I'm going to sing, you know. Yeah. 
So there's a bit of thing on that, you know, a bit of tongue-in-cheek of, yeah, he's singing about ever falling in love, I'm telling you, love is lies kind of thing, you know. I love that. But also, you know, I was just trying to be a bit cheesy, be a bit, bit enlightening and real about the fact that, look, it's all, you know, not like the moon in June and everything's nice yeah, with love, yeah, you know. yeah. But it was just a nice chord change in the thing. Love is like oh, it's gorgeous, yeah, it's gorgeous. Love is everything, that's nice. Yeah. Love is not as cold as ice. Which I thought was cheesy. It's like somebody singing, a, you know, a Valentine's card to you know, it went away. But, no, it just really, but it really adds to the, you know, there's instrumentals, there's like the acoustic one, there's like yeah. love songs, there's the, you know, the opposite of uh, Ever Fallen In Love. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing Left, how, how would you describe that one? Do you remember any, anything about that one? I mean, that's another, could, could be another single, yeah. you know? I mean, that's got a great riff as well, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, that goes on for a while, and we kind of take that down. I think we, I can't remember on the record now, but live we take it down to like really, really quiet and stuff, yeah, and yeah, bring it up yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but take at it down all, at all, at all, but, um, at all, at yeah, all, at all, yeah. But that was a great rocky song with that riff, really, great, as well, great. wasn't it? All right, let's play nothing left. That was nothing left by Buscocks from the second album, Love Bites. So it was produced by another Martin, Martin Rushant, yeah. uh, and it was recorded at Olympic. You know, so yeah. you you would have been happy, right, going to Olympic? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was our home from home, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you, when I was a kid, buying the Rolling Stones, High Tide, Green Grass. Yeah. You know, there's all these screens and stuff, and pictures of Mick Jagger and Keith and all the band. Yeah. And I walked in that room, I thought, I know all these screens, and yeah, it was yeah. all there. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, all, yeah. It was yeah. unbelievable, you know. Must have been a trip. That's right. the place you thought, I never thought it'd be here. Then you find out they'd done Who's Next then, and yeah. Led Zeppelin's yeah. first albums, yeah. and even the Beatles had been there yeah. and stuff. Yeah. The great thing about that was a big room for an orchestra or something. It must have been a school hall at one time. And in the middle of that, which you can see on the Singles Going Steady album, is yeah. two little H&H amps and a... Uh, um, you know, a drum kit and the bass stuck there in the middle of this room, you know. Yeah. And I think that gave us the sound a lot, you know. Yeah. The cheap amp. And I had a lovely uh, yellow Gibson TV Junior. Yeah. That used to belong to Tony Hicks from the Hollies. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I, I went to Shaftesbury Avenue in London and uh, with the roadie and I bought that guitar. And as he paid for it and stuff, he said, oh, and it used to belong to... Uh, Tony Hollings from the Hicks. I said, well, I'm a man, he's come back to <laughs> So we got in a taxi. I'm just taking out of the case, and um, Tony Hicks and Kenny Lynch popped their head round and he goes, no way. I think that's my guitar. No way. So immediately I thought he's been nicked, you know. <laughs> I said, I've just put... So he came up and he had to go over it before me, you know. He said, I should never have sold it. So away we went then to record the albums. Uh, wow. but, so there we are... We'd done the um, another music in a different kitchen. Yeah. And that was quite experimental in some yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pulse yeah, beat, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, autonomy yeah, was yeah. a bit different. Yeah. You know, yeah. there wasn't linear things. Autonomy is amazing. There was a lot of yeah. weird things like yeah. that, yeah. It's kind of... And um, 
What's the other name? Fiction, fiction romance. Fiction romance, yeah. Kind of cr- uh, kraut rock, really, wasn't it? You know. Yeah, it was inspired by that. Yeah. Well, I remember in the studio, Pete said, I've got this song just just chugging on E. Yeah. So I only put one note in, the most important note of the song. Talk about minimalism. Yeah. But without that, did they, one note, it's a D, they, yeah, they, yeah. there'd be no song. It would just, did, 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 you know, release. Fantastic. A little secret with it. I just learned how to play it over the hills and far away, lads. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. And he lets the D ring through. So I just learned that a few days earlier. And when Pete showed me that thing, I thought, oh, I think like, I'll let that note ring out. So that's how that came about. That, wow. That one note, though, the, the importance of minimalism, really, and the crowd rock thing. We always had the chug, didn't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the great thing was working with Martin Russian as well, you know. So how did you go from Martin Hannett to Martin Russian? Well, we signed a deal with United Artists and Martin Russian was the in-house Oh, OK, cool. Because yeah. he's on a lot of records, isn't he? His name's yeah. on a lot of records. He started off um, as a tape-pop on Shirley Bassey records, apparently. You know? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> but it was amazing. I mean, he just uh, let the band be the band, you know. Yeah. Never interfered with anything. He yeah. said, you know... Just want you to sound like you are. So we'd do three takes live, pick yeah. the best take, and then we'd put the overdubs and the vocals yeah. on, and that was it, you know. Yeah. But there's a great engineer called Doug Bennett that I think he must have lived there because when he wasn't doing our sessions, he'd be doing something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he would put everything away, really. So when you come back in, you'd been, you know, you'd played the guitar for a bit, you'd come back in and listen. It sounded right, right away, you know. It wasn't like it'll be all right in the mix, that, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that combination was a great production team. Martin and this guy, Doug Bennett, he's the unsung hero, but he was like the engineer. So it was a good combination. He was in safe hands of like just recording and stuff. And it was all done quick, let's say. Pick the best of three, go and do the, the overdub guitar things, the vocals. Yeah. All very quick. And I think I yeah. still believe in that, really. You know, the spontaneity. I think it's got, got um, back to that a little bit. I think, in, you know, certainly when charlatans were making telling stories you know we'd gone from uh, making a record in in two weeks uh, to then five months i think with uh, with our fourth album to telling stories nine months and yeah. it's like i mean you can tell i mean it's, it sounds pretty good but it's just too long in the studio you know and and yeah. uh, and uh, i think you know we've always tried to sort of like do things a lot quicker now i mean maybe because it's not tape and it's digital um you mm. know cause, he seems to be waiting around for the tape to rewind for for, for like you know about That's half the true. day. I'm but putting uh, a new reel on every yeah. two songs. Isn't <laughs> but, it, so right? it might be it might be something to do with tape or the fact that we're sort of a bit more you know on it these days. But, yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to once you get like the idea of using the studio as a tool, you know, as a creative Yeah, thing. yeah. That's when you start getting involved in it, particularly in the 80s with drum machines and all ki- keyboard, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, it's, it's going to take weeks and months, you know. <laughs> well, drum, sound, drum sounds used to take about a week. Yeah, I want to yeah. Five hours to get a drum sound and <laughs> yeah. all that stuff, isn't it? <laughs> I think the thing is as well, this Love Bite sound, it's kind of like a live performance with a bit of polish on it, really, so... Yeah. It never sounds kind of dated or tired in a sense you no know? no it's that's still true like yes yeah, it's, it's got it's got the edge it's rocking it's a live thing with yeah a couple of bits on it you know ESP, I remember first time hearing that, I was thinking, what, what's ESP? You know, it's like, you know, there's no Wikipedia or anything. 
No, he's like, what is ESP? What is ESP? What's it all about? It's very peak. I said, do you believe in ESP? <laughs> yeah. I do, and I'm trying to get through to you. And you think, oh, you loved a amazing. little bit of a secret. So, I mean, did you do a lot of reading? Did you get a lot of stuff from books? Well, I, th- I think the books are... Well, everybody's happy nowadays. came from, um, you know, a Brave New World. Um, right. So, everybody's happy nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I think books are an influence, you know. Yeah. Didn't always take things from there, but take a mentality sometimes from it, or just inspired by the books in some ways. You yeah, know? yeah. It was a lot of that. It was interesting talking about that uh, with Pete and stuff. And Howard was quite a heavy kind of intellectual bloke as well. Yeah, but yeah. He was a man of few words. Well, we didn't we didn't interact like me and Pete, you know, did on on, on the books and stuff. But um. As a kid, I said, uh, you know, I'd buy a single and I'd buy a book, you know. Buy a single, you, buy a book, you, that's so great. Yeah, every, every time, you know, say like, you know, I'd buy Crime and Punishment, Dostoevsky's hit single, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, George Orwell's hit single, oh, yeah, before, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. you know, like that, really. So all that was there, but that was the other secret apart from music, I thought. You know, the books sort of... Oh, this miserable world in Manchester, you know, where, where you were told you had to get a job and there's no hope for you, yeah, no chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was that ray of hope, the music, you know, yeah, wasn't there? Yeah. Know? And how it developed. But the books gave you a lot of insight into things, I thought. It sort of enriched me, you know. You know, there's a lot of beauty in the books and, and, and a lot of things that kind of stick with you that kind of somehow can get into the songs or, yeah. you know... Yeah. You can relate to things, so there was that through. Also, Pete was very into science as well, you know. So, you know, so, a bit more of a scientist than me, really. I think I'd read more literature. Somehow it was there, and it had some sort of impact in the music, I think. Here's track 10 on Love Bites, ESP. ESP by Buzzcocks on Absolute Radio. Tim Burgess here having a listening party with Steve Diggle about the Buzzcocks album Love Bites. How, how do you remember Pete? You know, it, it, when a band starts off and it, um, and it takes off and everything's magical and working, you know, this was like, Love Bites was the second album and it was like, probably really our moment in the sun at that point, you know, it was right. like, wow, you know, we've just done one great album and now we're doing another and everything. And I can still see Pete in the studio now and the magic of it and sharing that with him and all the band, you know. Yeah. yeah. It was just a, it's just one of amazing moments in life, you know, like for everybody, you get the moments where you're with people and all these things are happening. Yeah. Just amazing thing, you know. And it's something that you never and never thought like, you know, he wouldn't be here. Um in, in some ways Love Bites it's more his album than the first one, you know what I mean? The first right. one's more about... I think there's, a, there's something a lot about him on it, I think, with this, which is great, you know, Yeah. looking back. And it was great doing it. It was great doing the album and um, and all that. And uh, it's one of the moments that have been captured, you know? Yeah. And he did the other phone in the... Well, all the songs are great, on it, in their own way, aren't they? So, I mean, it was sort of true genius on that, you know? True genius, yeah. yeah. You know, it was a... Probably... A, well, that's the most pop song poppy of our albums, I think. I think yeah. The first one was experimental. Yeah. This one was like, 
sort of masterclass in writing pop songs. It really was, yeah. And then the third one got a bit more dark and inquisitive. You know, I mean, you've got to go on a journey with these things. But yeah, that woman yeah. had the magic moment of like, you know, this, like you say, any, any single could have been a, a hit of it. You know, I mean, I'll never forget, you know getting this album uh, you know but, even as long ago as it was you yeah. know 11 years old and also the funny thing is the title Love Bites I mean I um, it's... not many people have Love Bites now aren't they but you know <laughs> when we were young me and Pete I mean I remember but it's that double edged double edged meaning as well yeah. though, isn't it? it's like Love, the, the love, bites, love yeah. Bites yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I mean I, I'll always you know credit Buzzcocks mm. I mean I think everyone in Manchester would always credit Buzzcocks as being like you know the pioneers Mm. And uh, I would never be in a band if it wasn't for Love Bites. So well, I want to thank you. Thank you for coming in, uh, but but thank you for everything. Yeah, oh, it's a great compliment. Thanks, uh, Tim. It's a pleasure to talk about it. It's yeah, easy. and uh, thanks so I've much. I've not thought about that for a while, you know. I mean, it, well, but pe- pe- people don't understand this, but musicians don't really talk about their stuff. No. <laughs> they just keep moving on, you know. That's right, and, yeah. uh, and And that's why I think that this is a really great chance to do that, you know. And, and, yeah. uh, and thanks, thanks again. A pleasure, pleasure. What a magic moment it has been today for that. Cheers, Steve. Let's hear the final track on Love Bites, Late for the Train. late for the train concluding this listening party on Absolute Radio thank you to Steve Diggle for taking me through Love Bites every listening party I like to recommend a few records I've been listening to this past week okay so tis the season to be jolly so I'm going to recommend Frosty the Snowman by the Ronettes it's uh, taken from the Phil Spector album which everyone knows is like one of the must have Christmas albums it's, it's one of the best albums of all time I'm going to recommend one of my absolute favourites it's by Vince Guaraldi and it's Linus and Lucy Bob Dylan's not known for his kind of like jolly jolly old times but I mean he's definitely a trickster Must Be Santa by Bob Dylan is the classic it's just so fun I mean I've got so many Driving Home for Christmas Chris Rea Last Christmas by Wham Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley I should definitely include a Christmas song that I made with my friend St Etienne I think it was 1993. So it's quite a while back. I don't remember very much about it, let's say that. We were definitely in the Christmas spirit. But, you know, as you all know, Christmas songs are recorded in the summer. So I think we were just getting into the spirit anyway. But this is called I Was Born on Christmas Day, which actually I wasn't. I was born on the, you know, 30th of May. But Bob Stanley from St Etienne actually was born on Christmas Day. We may be at the end of the show, but keep tweeting me your thoughts using the hashtag Tim's Listening Party. Every song in this episode of my listening party was taken from Buzzcocks Love Bites. All tracks are by Buzzcocks. The album was released on United Artists in September 1978. See you next time. Absolute Radio. Telling the story behind another iconic album with Tim Burgess. Get involved using the hashtag Tim's Twitter Listening Party.